Welcome to episode 32 of You Are Not A Frog, how to take control over your thoughts. These are really difficult times. The coronavirus crisis has come upon us really quickly and it's hard to know what's going to happen, how we'll all respond and when it's going to end. Now, I often describe doctors as feeling a bit like frogs in boiling water. The pan has been heating up very slowly, but over the last few weeks, boy, has the pan heated up really, really quickly. Now, frogs only have two options, to jump out of the pan or to burn out. I still believe that you are not a frog. Even in these difficult times, you have choices and there are small things you can do to keep yourself mentally healthy, to manage your anxiety and to work in a sustainable and resilient way so that we can be in it for the long haul. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, Tend Executive Coach and Specialist in Resilience in the Workplace for people in high-stress jobs such as doctors. And I'll be talking to friends and colleagues and experts, all who have a helpful take on what's going on and who can share the best resources so that you can look after yourself, make good choices and thrive even through the most challenging of times. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. And also, if you'd like a CPD form for the podcast, which will help you reflect on what you've learned and you can use it for your appraisals, then just click on the link below and we'd be really pleased to give you a CPD form. In this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to a friend of mine and a fellow coach, Karina Gordon-Barnes. Now, Karina uses a very special process to help people take control of of their thoughts and their feelings using a process called the work. Now, Karina is a living embodiment of what it's like to do the work and how it can change your life. Karina very tragically lost her baby son, Alfie, a couple of years ago and has been using the work herself to be able to get over that experience and not just to get over it, but actually thrive. The great news is Karina is just about to have another baby in three weeks time, but we're in the middle of the COVID crisis. And all the anxiety that that will bring to a new mum and their family. So this is a very real episode about how we can take control over our thoughts. Karina shares all sorts of really valuable insights. And I hope that this episode is useful to some of you who are finding that anxiety and other ways of thinking are particularly causing you suffering at this time. Here's the episode. So it's absolutely brilliant to have with me today, Karina Gordon-Barnes. And Karina, I think you need to introduce yourself because I just won't do it justice. (laughs) So I live in Cambridge. I'm a coach. My son died last year. He was premature and he he died during labour. And at that point, I was so very grateful to have a process called The Work, which is a way of being with the stories we tell ourselves about life and what's happening and what should be happening instead. And because I already had The Work kind of in me as a process it meant that I've been able to navigate that particular crisis with a tremendous amount of peace 
And so it therefore, you know, when we come to this COVID-19 situation, it, it kind of feels similar. It feels like another period of collective grief and collective crisis. And a lot of this should not be happening. You know, that's like the main kind of thought running for me when, when Alfie died and for, for us all now, this shouldn't be happening. This is a bad thing. I want something different from this to be happening. So I'm just grateful that I already had the work. It got me through that. It's helping me through this. And I'm also, I'm going to have to do the bump picture, nearly 35 weeks pregnant with our second son. And, you know, that has its own challenges in terms of what's birth going to look like in a pandemic situation, what postpartum going to look like, what is this final stage of antenatal care going to look like. We've had lots of extra care because of this being a rainbow, rainbow pregnancy. So yeah, all of it is just about navigating the moment by moment and really happy to share, share some of that with, with you. Thank you. So I thought it'd be really useful for our listeners to hear from you because Dr. Caroline Walker and myself have been doing podcasts around how to manage your stress and anxiety through the COVID crisis. And one of the things we've been talking about is when we have these thoughts, whether you sort of fuse with them, pay attention to them or not. And I wanted to delve a bit deeper into that because I think that's really key. But you can't be too glib about it and you can't just say, well, you know, you've had this bad thought, don't don't fuse with it, just ignore it. And I wanted to talk to someone who literally one of the worst things has happened to, yet you've used this process to get yourself through it and talk to you about how we can take parts of this process and use them ourselves when we are not well let's just say we're not even just having these bad thoughts but actually we're seeing this awful stuff that's happening and we're dealing people with people who are losing loved ones we're having to make difficult decisions and we're having to you know deal with ourselves when maybe we're losing loved ones as well yeah. so absolutely i know that you're, you've been offering some webinars around peace during a pandemic you know what is it that you've been talking to people about particularly during this time yeah it's interesting because we've there've been global zoom events myself and a colleague who so happens to be a global health expert so she's coming with a lot of you know very lived experience of of this and people from around the world have been joining us and it's fascinating to hear what each individual person is dealing with you know is it that their partner has a respiratory condition and they're terrified that they're going to die is it you know someone who a dear friend of mine of ours who's a doctor and who desperately wants to be in the hospital working but has her own health condition that means she can't she has to be at home for 12 weeks and that is incredibly frustrating every single person bringing something whether they were about to leave a relationship and now feel that they can't and that they're actually living with this person who you know they don't want to be living with but has to live with potentially for for, for months stuff. more mm-hmm. yeah so everything and and so what we do the process of the work is about two phases really identifying the stories that are running and then questioning them because there are the circumstances. So for example, right now, my grandma has coronavirus. She's literally about to die. I'm, you know, you know, get the call any moment and she's in South London yeah. and no one of the family will be able to visit her and the hospital of, you know, so that's what's happening. That's the reality of grandma has COVID-19 grandma will die within hours or days. We won't be able to see her. That's the circumstances. That's not what actually causes pain. The bit that causes pain is the, this should not be this way. We should be able to be there with her. She'll die alone, you know, and suffer because of that. 
we won't get to say goodbye. It's all the stories that go on top of the circumstances that actually cause the pain. So what we do is we get with the work, we get those thoughts onto paper. So for example, in that situation, you know, my grandma has COVID-19 and that means that. So I might write down and that means that she's suffering or, and that means that I'll never get to say goodbye. And it's those thoughts that I can actually sit with and question. And, and there's a very structured way for doing that. If you want me to go into yeah. it in detail. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Are you happy to go through it and just yeah. through that circumstance? I'm so sorry about your grandma. It's just, oh, thank you. Yeah. Terrible, but you. yeah. Tell us, talk, talk us about how you deal with that. Super beloved grandma. So we call her Oma. She's from Germany originally. So let's say the, the bit that's, that's most painful to me is that she's suffering. So I take that thought, she's suffering, my, you know, my beloved Oma, I'm picturing her on a bed alone with all the symptoms of the illness. And the first thing I want to do is I want to question the truth of my assumption. So I sit there and I literally ask, is that true? Can I absolutely know it's true that in this moment she's suffering? And I might notice certain images come to me. Maybe I'm noticing her, you know, struggling for breath or crying out or and I just notice okay so they're images I don't know that that's what's happening so can I know for sure that, she, that she's suffering and in, in my particular situation there I might look at it and go no I, I can't know that for sure I don't know that this is a true statement all I know is that she's in hospital and she has this condition so just straight away it, it creates that kind of curiosity and openness like okay I don't I don't know if my story is true let's run a parallel situation as well I'm also thinking about giving birth in a few weeks and the thought is my wife won't be able to be there won't be able to be there a few hours after the birth again I sit with do I know that that's true is that definitely a true statement can I predict the future enough to know that for sure she won't be there again no I can't I can't know that I couldn't put my life on that being a fact so it doesn't mean that we're saying it's not true it just we don't know if it's true And we just look at how many times in our life we assume that something is true just because we've had the thought. And so we think, right, well, that's true. But to just introduce a little bit of, I don't know. And then once we've done that, what I call the the truth test, we then look at what is the impact, the cost of believing this particular thought. So let's go to with my Oma. I'm imagining her there. I'm imagining her suffering. I'm thinking she's suffering. And then how do I react? I feel maybe my my shoulders go up, my chest constricts. I kind of feel like I want to close in on myself. So I'm noticing what's the physical response that I have when I play that story. I notice that I don't respond to my dad's email about her because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in that story. I'm not able to respond. I'm just noticing, I'm just, I'm just witnessing okay, this is what I do. Maybe I reach for Facebook as a diversion, as a distraction. Maybe I lose myself on Instagram. Maybe I reach for a chocolate biscuit or a, you know, nice big baguette or something, kind of comfort food. You know, each person will respond in their own way. I really just look at that. Okay, so this is what happens when I believe a thought that I have already shown myself that I don't know if it's true. And does any of that reaction actually serve me in any way? Does it do any good? Does it have any productive, healthy impact? No, it just seems to restrict me or disconnect me or have me kind of step out of my experience. 
And then I move to, okay, so now let's just imagine, now that I've seen how expensive the story is, this not even necessarily true story, I've seen how expensive it is to me, to my body, to my relationships, to my capacity to have kind of power or, or impact. Okay, so who would I be right in this moment, imagining my Oma without the thought she's suffering? So again, I'm not knowing that she's not, but just if that wasn't the story that I was playing. As soon as that layer is removed, already I can just feel the love for her. I can bring back the you know, flood of memories of these years. I'm, what am I, 40 something? <laughs> 40, you know, 40 years of memories of this beautiful woman. And so those memories then start to kind of elevate in my mind above the fictional image, because I haven't seen it, the fictional image of her suffering in a hospital bed alone. And I can connect with those. And then maybe I reply to my dad, you know, oh, lovely Oma, you know, remembering this moment with her or, you know, let's all think of her. or Let's all share on our email, family email, our favorite memories of her. I step into something that I can do that actually feels healthier, more empowered, more useful, more loving, more compassionate. Nothing's changed about my Oma. She's still in that exact same situation, but I'm having a completely different experience and one that is more likely to be of service to me, to my family, and, you know, potentially to her if there was something that I could actually do for her. You know, maybe I phone the hospital. Maybe I suddenly realise, oh, I can phone the hospital. They say no visitors, but I could phone them and ask them to pass on this, you know, this little very kind of Karina message that only she and I would, would share or, you know, something like that. So I really see that, okay, with the thought, this is who I am. Without the thought, I'm so much more and nothing has needed to change in the actual circumstances. So that's the questioning part. And then we move to the final stage, which is around turning the thought around. Should before I go there get, or did you? Yeah. yeah. Before we go to that, Karina, can I just ask, what if that thought is true? Oh. Okay. So what yeah. if A, you found out she was in a lot of pain or the other example you gave was if Sam can't be with you at the birth and it, it came out tomorrow saying right no birth partners for the next six weeks what yeah. if it was true does that change this process in any way no it doesn't it doesn't at all because that's still the reality so reality is going to rule because it's reality yep me arguing with reality isn't going to change it no. you know you know unless there's actually something that i can do about it that is the reality that's not the bit that's going to be causing my pain. The, the bit that's going to cause my pain is I need Sam there. You know, I need my wife there. Otherwise, labor's going to be harder. She's not going to bond with our son. Something terrible is going to happen. I'm going to feel completely overwhelmed. Like all of that is actually the bit that hurts me. It's the stories I put on top of the circumstances. Okay, so you start questioning slightly different thoughts. Yeah, you question the bit that argues with reality. Yeah. The bit that's like a tantrum against life, where you're like, life, you should not be doing this. You should not be taking my grandma. You should not be, you know, restricting my wife's access to her son's birth. Because that's the argument that has no use. It just causes pain. Okay. So if you mind if we go back to your grandma and her suffering? Yeah. And if, let's say, my grandma's in pain, you know, she's in pain, actually in itself, isn't the problem. It's she shouldn't be in pain. Okay. If I see really clearly she's in pain, maybe I can ask for more morphine or, you know, I can do something 
around that circumstance without being in resistance to it without being in that argument with hang her. on that's not fair she shouldn't be doing it sorry absolutely. she shouldn't be suffering absolutely she shouldn't not be in pain yeah. okay those yeah. thoughts exactly all the people who've passed coronavirus around there to blame in you know, all yeah. of that it all detracts me from what's the actual point of all of it being in connection with her not missing a beat of her you know she's here still now how can I think of her, love her? Can I care for her in any way from afar? Can, you know, is there anything I can do? That's the bit that's in my power. Thank you. I think it's really important to get that clear that we can question these things, even if, it's, even if something dreadful is happening and it's the truth that it's happening, we yeah. can still question our thoughts around it. We can question our thoughts around what it means. What it means. So we're not questioning the circumstance. We're, yeah. we're questioning, you know, that's kind of built into the situation that's built into life. It's mm. questioning the argument with it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So sorry, I interrupted. So you yeah, were just no, no, on to talk about once you say, if we go back to the she's suffering, which we don't, you know, yeah. Yeah. don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. You then talk about, talk us through the turnaround. Yeah. So turnarounds, there are numbers of ways of doing this. The idea with the turnaround is that when we believe a thought, we're stuck in a certain paradigm, a certain way of seeing the situation. We think we are right and our perspective is right. And that's kind of the only way of seeing it. So what we do, we can look at in a few places. So one is we can look in the mirror and see, is this in any way a mirror for how I am showing up or, or feeling or treating myself? So if I've got the thought that my Oma is suffering, I can turn the mirror around to myself and look at, I am suffering. You know, is that as true or truer? And I can see that, yes, I go into to stress, disconnect. I do the diversion on Facebook thing. I don't respond to my dad's email. But yeah, I suffer. I actually disconnect from images of my Oma, the healthiest, happiest memories of her. So yeah, I am suffering. I can see that that is a true reflection of what's going on in me. And then the other place I can go to is um, to the opposite. So could it be true that the opposite of my story is as true or truer? So she's not suffering. How could that be? And I want to try it on like trying on a new dress or a new coat or something. So what I see straight away is she's not suffering. She is in palliative care uh, on huge, you know, huge levels of morphine. And if I read my dad's email really carefully, she, she's calm. That's what the email says. She's calm. She's on morphine. She's in end of life care. And I don't know that she's suffering. So I see evidence there in his email when I look back at it that she is not suffering. I also see that she has dementia. She wouldn't necessarily know her family even if we were there. So she's not suffering in the sense of being with strangers because everyone, everyone's a stranger to her these days. So I keep looking and I really want to get specific. This is not positive thinking this is realistic thinking it's about balancing out because before we had this one belief that really was everything and it's like could there be any kind of counterbalance here just so that we get a fuller a fuller perspective so are they the only two turnarounds that you do are there any more new dresses to try on or anything yeah that analogy yeah so if it's a thought about somebody yeah so let's say my thought was the nurses should be doing more yeah. let's say well let's take let's make this even easier let's say the thought is if i go to the postnatal ward with sam let's go for they won't let my wife in 
So that, so the turnaround to the mirror, the mirror one is, so I won't let me in. Is there any way that I won't bring myself to my birth? If I'm, if I'm constantly kind of complaining that Sam isn't there, yeah. I won't bring myself into the room. And then it's <coughs> the turnaround to the other, bless you. Excuse which, me. Which is, I won't bring the other person in. I won't maybe let the midwife in. I won't let Sam in. So it's, it's a mirror, but we can look at them, how we mirror it for ourselves and how we mirror it for other people as okay. well. So it's like, this is how I treat myself. And this is also how I treat other people involved. Okay. So the purpose of these turnarounds is just, and I know you've said this to me before, it's like being stuck in the mud and trying to just sort of loosen these things and just show you some stuff. Yeah. What other purpose do they have? Well, because we have this confirmation bias, right? So if I believe my Omar is suffering, yeah. as I read through that email, I'm going to be focusing on the bits that are confirming that I'm right. Yeah. So I'll focus on words like labored breathing or hasn't got long or, and I'll focus on those and I'll keep confirming to myself that my story is correct. Once I start opening my mind and looking for turnarounds, I then am also looking for evidence to the contrary. So let's go back to the postnatal ward. Let's say I have a thought like it would be better if Sam could be there after the birth. Right. And that's like an assumption. Like, of course, it's going to be better that, you know, my son's other mother is there after the birth. And so I, to start with, when I'm believing this thought, all my evidence is yes. You know, I'm thinking about bonding and skin on skin. And I've got all these images of, of her, you know, helping with this and doing this. But if I open to, is it maybe better that she's not there? If this is the reality that may occur, is there any way that it could be better that she's not there? I start looking, oh, okay, well, she could go home and get some sleep. That might resource us better as a couple than actually her sleeping on the floor in the postnatal ward for two, three days. And then us both being completely knackered and useless by the time we get home. I get it. You'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. know any other reasons it's better that she's not there well maybe she's then not exposed to the virus and then you know she's safe at home maybe she would have caught it we wouldn't and so you just mm -hmm. start you just start going oh okay maybe maybe I wasn't completely right mm -hmm. maybe there's another perspective there's another way of looking at this situation and you start kind of seeing you know benefits of reality benefits of what's actually happening yeah that's really interesting. So I can see how you've gone from, yeah, my grandmother's suffering to actually questioning that thought. And then actually they're moving to action because you're not no longer paralyzed by the thought yep. and you can actually go into action. And even if it was true, you'd then be questioning that she shouldn't be suffering and, you know. Yeah. And no one can do anything about it. Maybe I suddenly, I can think so much more creatively yeah. I can be so much more empowered because I'm back in my, my business, my power. What can I do? Mm. And finding the limits of that. Because when we argue with reality, we're arguing with something that isn't changeable. Yeah. But if we come back into, okay, but what can I do? 
then we actually might find find actions that are really clear helpful kind brave fearless yeah that's interesting i'm just thinking of the, the thing that's going through my head at the moment is the problem that we've got that there's not enough ppe or there's not enough good ppe or certainly i think they're getting more but certainly gps don't have enough you know absolutely i'm just wondering how that you know that might well be a fact and people are getting angry about it and i think righteous anger you know there should be ppe yeah. how would you sort of work that sort of thought yeah, let me write that down there should be more ppe yeah so, so that's a definite argument with reality statement right? yeah it, and it, it doesn't do anything in and of itself it doesn't do anything so there should more PPE. So I would sit with that. Okay, so is that true? There should be more PPE. Is that true? Can I know for sure that everything would be better if there was was more of that equipment available? And I really might find yes, you know, that's also fine to, to say actually, yes, I do believe things would be much better if there was more of that equipment. Okay, so let's go with yes for now. Okay. How do I react when I believe it? Well, I get very angry. Mm -hmm. I blame the government. I have a good rant to, you know, Sam about it, my friends about it. I look at politicians and I feel disgust. Yeah, so all of this, what, I mean, what happens for you when you believe? That there should I feel, be yeah, I feel very sad and upset. I feel, yeah, very angry at the government for underfunding the NHS for so long and not preparing when they knew this was a possibility for neglecting the very people that are in the front line, you know, all etc etc yeah. yeah i guess guess anger and just notice how that shows up in your body you know I'm, i know for me like my jaw tends to yeah. get really set like guts sort of, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and then you just look at you know uh, what am i able to do with this thought you know am i effective does this thought kind of fuel really clear powerful compassionate activity or does it just make me kind of withdraw and for me certainly like rant or complain or blame or feel disgusted mm. you know so does it I don't know for you does it does well, it, it certainly doesn't move one to positive action does it there is nothing you can do about it yeah. so it just makes you cross and stressed yeah which actually. is futile yeah. whereas actually you know someone might have the thought oh there should be more PPE and would then like take action in which case it's not a stressful thought okay so, so if it's something people, you can take action on it's not stressful anymore well i can just really picture that person you know whoever that person is or people are who just go right there should be more of this okay let's let's do that let's you know get creative let's talk to this person let's talk to this manufacturer let's talk to this government official or and then it, it doesn't become an argument with reality whereas if we're sitting at home going there should be more ppe it's, it's useless it's absolutely yes, yes, there is nothing you can do about that yeah no absolutely so that's the bit to notice for. Does this make me powerful or does this make me argue with something that is immovable? Okay. And then where would you go with it? Well, so then, okay, so who would I be without the thought there should be more PPE, without the, without the stressful version of that thought? Well, maybe I would just see really clearly, this is the reality. What can I do? Mm -hmm. Right, so you wouldn't be arguing with what's happening. It would be, okay, this is what's happening. What can I do? can I talk just just that creativity that might then come I mean if you imagine yourself without the argument with that anything at all like creative or problem solving you that comes to to mind for you well I think you start you'd go off into action about then how can I protect my staff best 
yeah. and how do we operate so if you think of gp surgery how do we operate as a surgery with, without this yeah what changes do we need to make yeah 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 it's like this is the reality so therefore what do we need to do it's just so much more sane than us sitting there going oh this shouldn't be happening this shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. and then just kind of fighting through the situation that this is happening what should we do that's not necessarily going to be easy you know I guess, you know, if, we, if I think back to with, you know, with Alfie, when Alfie died, you know, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening. Well, it is. He's died. So now what do we want to do? Do we want to get a photographer to come and take photos? What kind of funeral do we want to plan? Whereas if I'd sat there saying, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening, I wouldn't have been able to put things in place yeah. around the reality that it, it has just happened. And where's the role for emotion in all of this? Because I know I was talking to in the previous podcast, we were talking about the importance of allowing ourselves to feel sad and allowing ourselves to feel angry and yeah. upset. Where does yeah. that fit into all of this? Well, I think for me, there are, there are different kinds of emotions. When I'm believing a thought and I'm in the stress of that, the emotion that comes isn't actually really being expressed. It's generally being kept, kept in the body as a kind of, as an ongoing resentment or a stress or a fight, a resistance, it's not actually getting expression in any way. Whereas, you know, if I'm thinking about with after Alfie, I would do yoga classes and just cry, but it wasn't stressful crying. It was like love filled, just pure grief, just kind of falling onto the yoga mat, but it didn't, it didn't hurt. You know, it it didn't feel stuck because it wasn't a belief generated emotion it was just a gent like an energy flowing through of love sadness compassion you know grief all of that was kind of just pouring out and then and then then it would stop and then I would feel bizarre that I didn't feel heavy or sad I was then feeling joyful and just connecting those emotions right the emotion just came through and there was no judgment that it was a, a right or wrong emotion it was just oh this is what's you know this is what's happening so the point of the work isn't to suppress our emotions and not no. stuff. It's to no. get rid of the stress and the abnormal suppression of the emotions. Absolutely. And there was a moment, you know, and it's not just sadness. There was a moment in our post-mortem review our, when we had the post-mortem conversation with the doctors after he died, where both my wife and I felt pure anger, like pure mm-hmm. anger at something that had been done. But it wasn't stressful anger. It was just really pure, directed this is what needs to happen and this so it didn't cause us pain in that sense later when then the thoughts kicked in of well this shouldn't have happened and they shouldn't have done that and then that felt stressful but actually pure sadness pure anger pure fear they're just natural human emotions and they come through and they often actually don't stay very long Mm. both those examples i'm giving there of the sadness on the mat and the anger in the post-mortem were very short-lived and that's, that's the pure, that's the pure emotion. Yeah. I think so often we are afraid of experiencing those emotions, aren't we? We're so frightened of, well, we're happy to experience good, positive <laughs> yeah. emotions. We're not very happy to experience negative emotions, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I've written a, a book. It's not finished yet, but I've written a book about Alfie and our, and our journey with him. And, you know, I would write and I would just cry my whole way through, my whole way through writing. And it was, it didn't, didn't bother me that I was crying because it was just, that was what was coming through. And I, and I think that's one of the ways that I kind of traveled that, you know, those first few months really healthily was just letting it all pour out without any 
judgment that I should be feeling anything different or doing anything different. So I think, you know, for a lot of us, maybe even all of us, right now we are experiencing grief, collective grief. So many things that we were hoping for, plans we had, or a life that we thought we were having has been removed from us. People's weddings, people's travel plans, people being at people's funerals, or things to do with work that maybe they've had a really wonderful full full self-employment kind of thing all lined up maybe they're a you know wedding makeup person or just just gone and that that is loss and loss brings grief it just very healthily brings grief so if we can all feel that grief it's a really healthy thing yeah so immediately i'm thinking people will be thinking "I, i shouldn't feel sad i shouldn't feel this grief but actually if you love someone you should yeah. feel you should feel the grief and that's it's a good thing because you love them absolutely <laughs> and love it's good. yeah absolutely and, and your life you love your life and you love the plans you had for your life yeah so if you now look at wow i'm not gonna you know like so for me wow my my mum and dad and sam's mum and dad won't probably get to hold their grandson for months mm. and just to feel oh that's you know the sadness of that not as a it's not a blocked energy it's the opposite it's a release of that oh the sadness of that and then it's gone yeah so I I find this process of the work really interesting and I I think that some people who are are listening might think this is slightly weird or slightly (laughs) that came out wrong slightly slightly different because I know when I first encountered the work I thought it was I was like what is this really that simple just asking those questions yeah I think it is very clever in that these questions have been very carefully distilled down haven't they well because they hit I think for me you know they hit the the key points is anytime we're having a thought or a story you know is it true what does it cost us and who would we be without it It is it is simple in that sense and then what could be happening instead of what we think is happening yeah and you know it's it has been distilled and it has been practiced for Byron Katie who developed the work or kind of came to the work in 1986, you know, this has been around for for that many years, with tens of thousands of people around the world in every situation, every situation, whether it's cancer, suicide, affairs, everything, everything you can think of, physical pain, job loss, annoying partners, you know, the the biggest and the smallest and everything in between, it just seems to work. But you need to have an open mind to know that your stories are stories, they're not facts. Yeah. And I think for me, that, that's the thing I've struggled to get my head around the most, yeah. is this whole concept that it's not the things that cause me suffering. It's my thinking about the things yes. that cause the suffering. And yeah. watching a few of Brian Katie's you know, videos online, you know, people saying, well, my, my husband's just divorced me. And she's saying, well, that's not what's causing you suffering. No. That's just something that's happened. It's all those stories that are going on in your head about why he did and he doesn't I'm I'm unlovable and all those sorts of things yeah and the reason that you find it weird or people might find it weird is because this is very countercultural. yeah you know we're very very used to thinking that things make us happy or sad we use it in our language all the time he made me angry she made me upset he did that to me we have this a real tendency for victim mentality kind of justified victim mentality that life does these things to us and life makes us feel certain ways so it is a real it's a real unlearning to see and i think you can only see it when you see it that it's not life that's doing that it's not the circumstances it's the stories about the circumstances that are causing the suffering yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, something that really helped me recently, it's this book, and I've mentioned this before. I don't you've seen it, Karina, called The Happiness Trap. And what it does, it's very similar to the work in that sort of talk about your thoughts and if you fuse with your thoughts or not. But the, just getting you to notice those stories by saying, first of all, oh, I'm having the thought that yeah. my grandmother is suffering. Or yes. if you want to go another level, it's I notice that I am having the thought that yes. my grandmother is suffering so to help you yeah. separate the thoughts from well, just to notice that it is the thought and it's separate and you can, you're almost observing yourself having that thought. I found that quite helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I like to imagine thoughts. There are two main images that I use for myself and with clients. <clears throat> One is that thoughts are like clouds passing by and we just often seem to hook onto one and kind of travel with that thought. The other image I use is, you know, like in Yo Sushi, the conveyor belt, the food that goes round. <laughs> and it's like, they're like thoughts and we you know, we take one and we buy one and we have to pay for, pay for whatever we take. And actually we could just let the thoughts travel around the conveyor belt. We could just let those clouds keep going by. Yeah. So I think if you can think of thoughts as separate from you. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so, we're so accustomed to thinking that they're just, they're just reality. Cause we just, yes. we just believe them by default. I am my thoughts. Also, I am my feelings. I'm feeling sad. Therefore something mm. must be wrong right yes and it's interesting that that sushi conveyor belt <laughs> you can choose to leave that thought even if it's a true thought yeah absolutely right? yeah absolutely like you would in a sushi restaurant like i love that aubergine and today i'm not you know <laughs> i'm not paying for that one today doesn't mean it's not valid but just i'm not going to jump on that plate today yeah i think that's another way that we can help protect ourselves is you know i've done a podcast recently about not devouring masses amount of social media and news yeah. because you're automatically putting your head in a particular space where you're going to attach yourself to these thoughts of isn't it awful we're all gonna this is terrible this is terrible the scary thing about social media and the news is that actually as we're scrolling we often scroll so quickly that we're not aware that so many stories have been we've bought so many stories by the time we get to the end it's very hard to unpick, hang on, I'm feeling something, I'm feeling uneasy, unsettled, like I want to reach for chocolate or, you know, whatever that feeling is, because actually probably... Which story was it? Ago, yeah, exactly. 10 minutes ago, we probably read one line that said something about, I don't know, this is going to last for six months. And then we just kept scrolling and we didn't notice that actually we believed that and our whole system was having a response to that line but now we've gone on to read about you know boris johnson contracting this and then we've gone on to read about the impact on plant growers in shropshire and and by the end of it our body's in complete overload because we've been having reactions to every one of those stories so it's absolutely slow down be very very mindful and conscious about consuming news social media in bite-sized enough chunks that we can actually be present to our thoughts in relation to what we're reading yeah. or watching. That's really good advice. Akrina, I know we haven't got very long left. So if someone was to start this process of the work, trying to look at their own thoughts, do they need a therapist or can they sort of do it by themselves? So Byron Katie has made everything available at thework.com. That's her website. So you'll see her, you'll see the four questions. There are resources there like there's a sheet called the judge your neighbor worksheet which is a, a structure for dumping your thoughts about a particular person or situation there are huge amounts of youtube videos out there of katie working with people 
So if you want a, a way into the work, that's mm -hmm. definitely a great place to start. There is the Do the Work helpline. So that is a 24-7 helpline with those of us, including myself, who staff that for, for free from around the world. So people can call that helpline and do the work with someone. People aren't always available, but you know when they are, then you can do the work with them. And then there are people like me and many others who are facilitators of the work. So then if you want support, and I personally have a facilitated session of the work pretty much every day you know, through my network of colleagues or by paying for that as well, paying for people to sit with me so that I'm doing like daily, it's like daily flossing, you know, it's like, if I'm going to floss my teeth every day, I want to sit with my thoughts every day. So you can find me, you can find others who facilitate the work. Yeah. And I will definitely put Karina's email address, although you've got what, three weeks left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, baby here, comes. I'm, I'm here now. And then at, at certain points within my maternity leave, I will be doing work days. So yeah, do, okay, so get she, in touch at any point because I can always reply when I'm on maternity yeah, leave. So you will, you will be available to do stuff. I'll be, I'll be here. Yeah. And if people were just going to take one or two questions away from this session that would be helpful for them to ask themselves, what would you suggest those questions would be? So maybe I would say, am I in this moment arguing with reality? Okay. And then how effective is that? Okay. You know, I think in a situation like this, where the circumstances are so clear and there are so many facts and so much evidence of what's happening in the world, I think that would be a really good place to, to look. Mm. Yeah. 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 Am I arguing with reality and how effective is that? And I guess then, you know, and then what would be an alternative? Yeah. To arguing with reality. If I wasn't arguing with reality right now, how might I feel and what might I be able to do? Yeah. And I know when I've done the work with you, questions I found particularly effective are who am I with this thought? Yeah. And who would I be without this thought? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Same yeah. situation. Same me, but here's the version of me with the story running. Here's the version of me without the story running. What is now actually in my power without the story running? Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't get rid of the thought, but it ha makes it have less power over you, doesn't it? In a weird way. Well, you kind of can look at the thought then and go, oh, you're interesting. Hello. <laughs> you're a thought. I'm going to contemplate you, but I'm not just going to like, yeah, eat you. Or <laughs> oh, I'm noticed I'm having that thought again. Oh, off you yeah, go. Yeah. Interesting. And, and actually, if you've really questioned the truth of a thought and you've gone through this process, often you look back, you know, I look back, I've got a, a diary that I always write all my work in and or look back at things and think, gosh, I used to believe that. That's, that's strange. I couldn't believe it now because I've questioned it to the extent where it just doesn't have any Velcro to it. Well, thank you so much, Karina. That's well, it's been really helpful to me and I hope it's helpful to some listeners. We're just trying to throw out as much stuff out there that could be helpful to people. So, you know, if you're interested in this, I just really encourage you to go and have a look at work.com get in touch with Karina we'll give you her email address and you have a website as well Karina yeah so it's my yeah. name karinagordonbarnes.com yeah so get in touch with Karina as well because you know this stuff it's really powerful and I've seen massive breakthroughs not in my just in my own life but in friends lives who've gone through doing the work with Karina so thank you so much you're welcome and Good luck. <laughs> Three weeks time. One. Oh. And I would love to have you back on the podcast at some point. I think there's a lot more to talk about with this. Perfect. I'll be back. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.